the first service we had a wonderful experience and I know that God always reserves the best for the last and I can assure you that what God wants me to share in this service will be equally tremendous equally tremendous alright Matthew 18 I'm reading from verse 15 to 17 then I'm going to read from verse 21 to 35 that is quite a long reading Matthew 18, 15 to 17, and then verse 21 to 35. Are we all ready? Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established and if he shall neglect to hear them tell it unto the church but if he neglect to hear the church let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican verse 21 then came Peter to him and said Lord how oft shall my brother sin against me and I shall forgive him till seven times Jesus said unto him I say not unto thee until seven times but until 70 times 7. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which will take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Which on the line. 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents is about 300,000 US dollars. That is about 48 million naira. But for as much as he had not to pay his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant, everybody say the same servant, went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. hundred pence is less than twenty dollars. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servants fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not. On the line, he would not but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. And so when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, on the line, wicked servant, I forgive you all that debt because thou desired me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servants, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, underline wrath, and delivered him to the tormentors, underline tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. By the grace of God, for a few minutes, I'll be speaking on the subject. Do not let this hinder you. Do not let 
this hinder you. Do not allow this. Do not let this hinder you. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence in our midst. Your word tells us we are two or three are gathered together in your name. There you are in the midst of them. Thank you for coming to our midst as we mingle our voices in praise and prayer and worship and adoration to your name. Thank you for the privilege we have in Christ whereby we call you Abba Father. And thank you for the purpose of this service. Our prayer today is that it will be fulfilled and that you will anoint me to share your word the way you have revealed it to me. And that the people will receive it the way you intend for them to. Mixing faith and being doers are not hearers only. We give you the glory. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do not let this hinder you. As a believer, one of the things we ought to constantly and continually do is that constantly and continually, you and I need to examine ourselves. We need to do it because scripture recommends it. Whatever the word of God recommends is always something profitable to do. Isaiah 48, 17 says, I am he that teacheth thee how to profit, that leadeth thee in the way that thou shouldest go. Whatever God's word recommend is something that you and I should practice. It is a profitable spiritual exercise. And one of the ways to examine ourselves constantly and consistently is by asking ourselves some probing questions. Some very important probing questions. And then answering those questions after we have diligently analyzed our lives answering those questions. You ask yourself the question and then after you have analyzed and looked at your life then you answer the question. And one of the questions that I believe every child of God should use in analyzing and examining him or herself is by asking that question am I being hindered? Am I being hindered? Is there somebody or something that is hindering me? Is there something or somebody that is making me perform below my expected level? Is there something holding down my potential? Is there something that is not allowing me to see the fulfillment or the actualization of what I carry? Am I being hindered? If you want to know whether you are hindered or not, obviously, God will reveal it to you. Hosea chapter 6 verse 3 says, Then shall we know if we follow to know the Lord. If there is something you don't understand and you search it out, one likely thing you are likely to encounter is that you get to discover it. Job said in Job 29 16, The cause which I don't understand, I search out. So if you want to know whether you are hindered or not, and you go to God and ask him, Am I hindered? He revealed the mystery to you. Matthew 13, 11 says, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Many of us at various times have felt that we can be more than who we are. That we can do more than we are doing. That we can have more than we are having. But that something or somebody is tending to lock us down, to hold us away from the best days that God wants us to see. If you have that kind of a feeling, actually what you are saying or what you are 
actually doing is that you are probably thinking, well, I am being hindered by something. I mean, there are people here to, this morning who believe that they can be more than what they are. They can have more than they have. They can do more than they are doing. I mean, if you believe that about yourself, what it simply means is that you are beginning to feel that something is hindering you. Something is hindering you. You may not have said it, that something is hindering you. But immediately you begin to feel that, oh, I am not my best yet. And I could have been better than this, but I'm not there yet. What you are saying in essence is that you have a feeling that you are being hindered. Am I being hindered? Am I being hindered? Now let me go on by saying this. What does the word to hinder mean? What is the meaning of that word hinder? That word hinder simply means in Greek that or what impedes a person's progress. If you have been hindered, what it simply means that something or somebody is impeding your progress. If you have been hindered, it means there is a force, sort of, which is external to you or internal to you or around you that is obstructing or getting in the way of the actualization of who you are. A hindered person is someone who is not fully expressed. A hindered person is someone who is not where he should be, who is not, who does not have what he should have, who is not doing what he should be able to do. So am I being hindered? Do you have the feeling that you are much more than you are seeing? Do you have a feeling that you can do much more than you are doing? Do you have a feeling that you can achieve much more than you are achieving? If you have that feeling, what it simply means is that you feel that you are being hindered. You may not verbalize it, but that is the feeling you have. You may not have put it to words, either because you are modest or because you don't want to accuse anybody or because you don't even know who to accuse. So what does it mean to hinder? It, mean, it, it refers to something or somebody that interferes with, disturb, block, twat, bar, inhibit, stop, slow down, interrupt, or frustrate us. Do you feel boxed in? That is to feel hindered. Do you feel slow down? That means something is slowing you down. That is true. It means to be, to feel hindered. So I've been hindered. When we say we are experiencing hindrances, what we simply mean is that something or somebody is making the path along which we are moving unnecessarily difficult. Something or somebody is making the path along which we are moving unnecessarily difficult. Now let me say this to you. Progress will always be challenged. But when it's unnecessarily difficult, then it's as a result of the presence of one hindrance or another. And there are various forms of hindrances. And there are various sources of hindrances. I dealt with that in the first service, but I will mention it in this service. So, am I being hindered? Is there something that is making progress too tough, too difficult, too complicated for me? I know I need to make progress. And I know progress will not come easy or cheap. But is it unusually difficult? 
usually difficult to get a job, unusually difficult to get a life partner, unusually difficult to have a baby, unusually difficult to, to make progress, to achieve my goals. Now, when that is happening, what it means is that you are being hindered. Something is working against you. Something is making things more than tough and rough. Something or someone is not allowing you to enjoy the fullness of what you carry. A church can be hindered. A person can be hindered in their career. A person can be hindered in their spiritual growth. A person can be hindered in his prayer life. The Bible talks about people who are hindered in their prayer life. First Peter chapter 3 verse 7 said that your prayers be not hindered. The Galatian Christians were hindered. They started well, but they did not continue. Progress became difficult along the same direction. So people suffer various forms of hindrances. And the big thing you need to ask yourself is this. As you examine, am I being hindered? Can't I be much more than this? Can't I do more than this? Can't I be better than this? Is this all there is to me? Is this all there is to my life? As you begin to feel like that, it means that you are beginning to feel that you are being hindered. When somebody is being hindered, it means that path along which that person is passing it is not accelerating at the speed that he knows is possible for him to accelerate. Let me give you a good example. A car, most cars can at least travel at 100 kilometers per hour. Now when I ask small is this 1.6 engine, 1.8 engine. Now if you press the gas pedal or what you call the accelerator to the floor of the car and the car is going at 30 kilometers per hour, then something is happening. It means it's been hindered. Something is happening with the combustion. Something is happening with the firing system. Something is holding back the full expression of what that car carries. That car carries a lot. I have a car out there that it can go as far as 240 kilometers per hour. Now, imagine if I press it to the floor and it is going at 60 kilometers. Then something is hindering it. And that is how our lives are at times. It's like you are putting your leg on the, on the throttle, but it's like something else is putting his leg on the brake. That is hindrance. That is how hindrance feels. I'm doing all I know to do. I'm putting in my best. I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I'm serving God. I'm living right. But it seems that something out there, either in me, outside me, or around me, is blocking my effort. My full effort is not seeing the light of day. If that is your experience, it simply means that you are being hindered. In the first service, I gave seven indications of hindrance, of being hindered. Seven ways in which you can know whether you are hindered or not. I can't go into that. You can get the tape to get the message that it involves. But there was something I now said towards the end of that message this morning. And that is, I talked about the sources of various hindrances that we that we experience whether it's hindrance in terms of spiritual growth or hindrance in terms of achieving my goals or hindrance in terms of prayer or hindrance in marital life i mean i'm beautiful i'm young i'm educated and 
I am very friendly, but no husband. Something is working. I've seen this very commonly among ladies. You see them, they have everything in place except a life partner. Character, very sweet. Carriage, they have the gait. They have the confidence. They have the intelligence, but no life partner. To let you know that while their leg is on the throttle, another force has put his leg on the brake. So I gave seven things that can tell you whether you are being hindered. You can check that with the morning service. But I also now talked about various sources of hindrances, the thing that can hinder us, or the various sources from where hindrances may be coming. And I mentioned five of them, and I'm going to zero on number five. The first thing I said is that hindrance can come because of sin, from our sinful life. If you're living in sin, of course, you can never realize your potentials. Jeremiah 5, 25. Your sins and your iniquities withhold good things. Which means some things will still be withheld from you. You can have everything. It's only when Christ comes in that all things become yours. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21. He said all things are yours. How did they become yours? Through Christ. Because according to Colossians chapter 3 verse 11, Christ is all and in all. So in Christ, we have everything. But when there is sin in our lives, Habakkuk 1 13 said, it's of pure eyes than to behold iniquity and cannot look on evil. So one thing that hindered many people is sin. Sin. Proverbs 14 34. Righteousness exalt is a promotional agent, but sin is a reproach. Sin is an obstructive force. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are encompassed with so great a kind of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin, the sin that does so easily beset us. That is one thing that is hidden people. Churches can sin, churches can be living in sin. Someone say, can a church live in sin? Of course. How? James 4, 17. He that knoweth to do good and does not do it is sin. When a church knows that it needs to pursue its mandate and it's not pursuing its mandate, then that entire church may be living in sin. Because they have overlooked what the responsibilities are that God gave them. Individuals can live in sin. Families can live in sin. A business can be, can be sinning. How? When they do not pay their tithes, you set up a business. Business is making money, but you are not paying tithe. The Bible said there is a curse. One of the consequences of sin is curse. Curse will come. And so whenever a company is making money and is not tithing from their resources, they operate under a curse. Zechariah chapter 5, you read from verse 1 to 3. With special emphasis from verse 3, tell you how curses operate. It enters in and begins to eat up the place. So what am I saying? That is one source. One source of uh, hindrance. Hindrance from sin. Number two. Another source of hindrance is what we call weight. Weight. Weight are necessarily not things that are sinful, but they are things that are not profitable. Weight is an excess acquisition. Of what is not necessary, an excess overcommitment of things that are not vital. Not everything that is urgent is important, and it can weigh you down and it can hinder you. 
weight will hinder you. I remember some years ago, there was this advert on Radio OYO. And it was about a man and a bicycle and Agbada. And this is how it goes. Agbada re oda loun murode kekere oda loun murajo Agbada ni wada lonu keke o untoripo unto yeni lo yeni o kwonu yomadiye What that simply means is if you are going to ride a bicycle it will be an encumbrance for you to put on Agbada so Agbada is a weight for someone who rides bicycle. If you are in a car, Agbada is not a weight. You can always carry the weight, gather it, and put it somewhere. But if you are riding bicycle, it will complicate your life. It will complicate your experience. <laughs> if you are not careful, you will find yourself in a place you never begin for. So what am I saying? The second thing that hinder people are weights. Many things we have acquired. You have put yourself into many things. You have so many people you are relating to. You have so many places you go. You have so many things you do. Jesus told Martha, 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 you are careful and troubled about many things. Only one thing is needful. She had weight. Many of us are bothered about many things that are not necessary. 1 Corinthians 6.12 All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. 1 Corinthians 10.23 All things are lawful, not all things are expedient. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Weight can affect your performance in the race. It can weigh you down. It's a hindrance. When you bite more than you can chew. When you have your hand into so many pies, you are committed to so many things, so many relationships, to the point that every weekend you are either going to a funeral, a birthday, a marriage, housewarming, body warming, you are warming something. Every weekend. Now that is a weight. Your life does not need to be that complicated because you need to give God what belongs to God. That's the second source of hindrance. Not just sin, but weight. Then the third source of hindrance is Satan. Satan can hinder us. Paul himself said it. In fact, he said it in a boastful way that I like. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. He said, I, even I, Paul, was hindered from coming to you. See that? I was hindered. I was hindered. If Paul was hindered, who cannot be hindered? He said, I, even I, was hindered by Satan from coming to you. So Satan hindered people. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1. He said Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest was standing and Satan was on his right hand to resist him. Satan resisted Jesus while he was here. He tried to hinder the fulfillment of his destiny. You know time again they tried to kill Jesus in other ways apart from the cross. One time they wanted to throw him over a cliff. One time the devil tried to deceive him that he should jump down. All those are times when Jesus will have been killed in every other way apart from the Bible prescribery of his death. The devil was trying to hinder what he came to do on the cross. So, sin can hinder. Weight can hinder. Overcommitment and indulgence. And then Satan can hinder. Then number four, because I talked about this also in the first service, the fourth source of hindrance, 
that I dealt with in the, in the, in the first service was others. Others can hinder us. Other people. Many of us have dreams. And when we share with other people, they talk us out of it. When I was going to go into the ministry, I shared my calling with people and they talked me out of it. Some of us have brilliant ideas. Things we want to get done. Books we want to write. Songs we want to write. Journeys we want to undertake. Things we want to build. Innovations we want to introduce. Ideas we want to turn to reality. But some people have talked you out of it. How will you get the money? Do you think they are the only one that has come up with this idea? Do you think you are the one that everybody is waiting for? Men have always been known to reign on our party. When most of us have shared some of this inside with other people, they've talked you out of it. They try to dissuade you. And in that way, they hinder you. Jesus never allowed others to hinder him. Others tried to. Jesus was talking to the scribes and the Pharisees in Luke eleven fifty two. He said, who want to use scribes? Who want to use Pharisees? You have hidden the key of knowledge. You will not go in. And those who want to go in, you forbid them. You know there are sisters, they will not marry that brother. And others who want to marry that brother, they will not allow. What the other sister does not see, they will make him see it. Uh -uh. Can't you see the waste as thin as it is? Can't you see the lips as, 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 as light as, as, as feather? Don't you know the mother? They talk you out. They will not marry the man. They are not interested in marrying the man. But you who want to marry, you who want to go ahead, knowing fully well that God has spoken, they talk. others have a way of hindering you. There are so many brilliant ideas that have been killed because we share with the wrong people. Spread not your pearls before swines. It's not everybody who needs to hear about what God has shared with you. It is you God shared it with. It's not them. And many times we make mistakes by putting so costly ideas in the hand of people who are irresponsible, who cannot tend them, who cannot help those ideas see the light of day. I remember when God called me, I, I shared it with a man that I thought was an old prophet in this town. He said, God has called me to the nations. Is he said, UK. He said, do you know how long we have been here? He said, we have been here since 1977. And we have been doing ministry seriously. Then he looked at my motorcycle in those days, OY84051. He said, you mean you are going to go to the world in this, on this motorcycle? When this motorcycle cannot even get to a fast fully. He was going to talk me out of it. He was going to steal it from me. But I went to God. I said, God, God said, it is, has to do with you. That's why I told you it does not have to do with him. He does not need to believe you before it comes to pass. It is not going to be done to you according to his own faith. It's going to be done to you according to your faith. It is your life. It is your calling. Most times, many of us want people to affirm us before we affirm ourselves. You want somebody to say, okay, that's, that's right, that's right, that's right. Whether they say that's right or not that's right, it's not that who determine what is right. He who sent me, once I follow the path of what he sent me to do, he affirms me, that's it. So it's important for you to know, others may be the hindrance in your life. They take too much of your time. They take your eyes off the goal. They dissuade you, they persuade you, they entrap you. They feel because they cannot do it, you cannot do it too. But it's only you and God who knows who can do it. If God knows you cannot do it, yes, he knows you cannot do it, but that is where grace is there. Second Corinthians 9, 8, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you have sufficiency in all things. 
I remember when I told somebody, I'm going to take the word of God to the nations. He said, nations? Ah! He said, nations? Ah! And I said, yes, nations? He said, how will you do it? I said, don't worry. You are not going to do it, so I don't need to tell you how I will do it. I'm the one going to do it. I need to know how I will do it. And that's what matters. The last time I saw him, I said, do you see I'm doing it? He said, yes, yeah. He said, I don't know what you're doing. I said, that will remain a mystery with you. Because if you are the one going, God will tell you how to go about it. So, hindrances. There are various sources. Sin will hinder you. Weight will hinder you over indulging yourself in things that are not your business. Over commitment to the wrong things. Satan will hinder you. Other people will hinder you. Then I finished on number five. You can hinder yourself. You can hinder yourself. You may be the one hindering yourself right now. Am I being hindered? Am I being hindered? What is it that is hindering you? Now, so many things can hinder us, but let's come down to this thing that I'm talking about here this morning. One of the common things you and I will experience in life is that people will offend us. Jesus was offended by Judas Iscariot. He was, he was offended by Peter. But he handled it well. He did not allow that offense to hinder him. He still went ahead. Joseph was offended by his brothers who sold him into slavery. The same who was supposed to love him and the people that hated him without a reason. John 15, 25, they hated me without a reason. John 16, verse 2, the time is coming when them who kill you will think they are doing God a service. He offended Joseph. Potiphar and Potiphar's wife offended Joseph. One thing that you and I will experience in this world is offenses. People will offend us. What does it mean to be offended? It means they will do things that will hurt you. It means they will do things that will make you angry. They will do things that will make you feel hot. The Bible says in Matthew 18, 7, woe unto the world because of offense. People will offend you. Just like you have been offending people. Luke 17, verse 1. Jesus said, it is impossible, but that offense will come. In these last days, Matthew 24, 10, he says, many shall be offended, many shall betray one another. So it's impossible that you be offended. Now let me say this to you. If you don't handle the offenses well, you will allow an offense that should not have hindered you to begin to hinder you. Joseph's brother's offense against him did not hinder him. He still went ahead and fulfilled destiny. <laughs> A brother can walk away from you despite the fact that you've been caught in and will offend you. But you need to learn how to deal with it so that offense will not hinder you in your future life. There are people today who are still offended about something someone did to them five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago. They are still bleeding inward from such things. But you need to be careful that those such things do not offend you. Even if it offends you, you need to learn how to handle it. Handling offenses is very important. <coughs> and you will be required to handle offenses right. People will offend you. People you know will offend you. People you don't know will offend you. Esau was offended by his brother. His brother, by subtlety, cheated him out of his birthright. 
it is impossible but that offense will come. One of the things that you can never protect yourself finally against is offenses. Jesus tried not to offend people, but did he offend people? Yes. In Matthew 17, 27, he said, look, so that we will not offend them, let us pay the tax. But trying as much as he did, he still offended people. He offended people by preaching the truth. I was telling this testimony recently, somewhere I went to Malaysia some years ago. And when I got there, one man felt very offended. What did I do? At the end of the service, he came to me with a sheet of paper in his hand and a biro and a small Bible under his armpit. He said, they call you walking Bible. I said, yes. He said, I came here to prove it. He said, you quoted 145 scriptures and you got three wrong. He felt very bad. He said, you got three wrong. I said, well, I tried that. Out of 145, I get 142. That's 142 over 145. He said, no, 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 no. What do you mean? You got three wrong. They called you computer Bible. I said, even computers get things wrong. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I came here expecting you to. You got everything right. I said, well, I'm, it's a pity I'm still a man. It's only God who is perfect. And the Bible said in Psalm 138, he said, you are quoting another one. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. <laughs> and the man said, you got three wrong. He said, I have all of them marked here. You got three wrong. So I said, okay, I agree. The three I got wrong. Can you quote them to me since you know the right thing? He said, no, no, no I'm not here to quote anything. I didn't say I'm a walking Bible. He said, you are the one who said that you are. I said, I didn't say so. He said, well, they call you the name and you answer. He said, so you are responsible. I said, okay. He said, so you got three wrong. I don't, I don't, don't, don't argue with me. You got three wrong. The man was offended. He just tried not to offend, but did he offend? Oh, yes. In fact, one place was just preaching. I'm the bread of life, John 6. He whosoever eats me and drink my blood. Hi, the Bible said, verse 61. And many of them were. Jesus said, are you offended? And from that time, many of the people stopped following him. You are offended. With all that he tried, he still offended them. So it's impossible that offense will come. 2 Corinthians 6 3 says, Give me no offense that the ministry will not blame. Of course, we try not to offend people living in ministry. But I remember one man who borrowed some money from me some years ago. I mean, every Sunday I just preach my, the word and I use my hand to indicate and to gesticulate. He came to me one day and said, Sir, I don't like the way you point at me when you're preaching. Do you want me to leave the church for you? Now, I loan him money and I'm preaching the word and he said he's feeling offended. So what do I do? He said, you look at my direction and you make points. You do like this. I said, ah, what direction will I, will I look up and be doing like this? Will I not preach again? But he felt offended. But you see, you have to be very careful that whenever you're offended, you manage it well. Cain was offended for no reason. He killed his brother. He didn't manage it well. He complicated his life by what he did because he was offended. Judas was offended. Among all the apostles of Jesus Christ, Judas was the only one who did not come from Galilee. He was one of five people who were not fishermen. One time he challenged Jesus Christ when a woman came and was wasting some ointment on him. And Jesus said, leave him. Judas said, ah, this is not good economics. 
Why will you, for God's sake, allow this woman to break such an important oil and pour it only on your feet? Jesus said, okay, leave her. She has done this to prepare my body for the burial. And Judas was offended. That was the main reason why he betrayed Jesus. He just felt bad. How dare you talk to me like that with everything I'm doing in your ministry? You know there are people who have been offended like that? I know a church in Lillibon, in Georgia. River of Life Church. I know the pastor Tinglehoff. I know the accounts officer. The accounts officer went to the pastor for an increase in salary. And the pastor said, okay, why don't you wait for six months? Before you knew what was happening, he called the tax, the tax department, and they came and they shut the church down. Now, you have to be very careful that if you are offended, you control yourself and never allow it to become an issue. Never allow it to become a hindrance in your path to the fulfillment of your destiny. Some people are offended in the church and they leave the church. Offended by one thing or the other, one misunderstanding or the other, one occurrence, one situation or the other, and they leave the church. Nobody can kill a church by leaving it. But you see, when you leave the place where God plants you, you have just killed yourself. You have just destroyed certain vital ingredients about your destiny. Because every tree does not grow in every soil. And when you uproot yourself from the soil that where God has planted you, only you will pay for it. It will not soon be evident, but the day will come and the time will come. When you know you have dislocated yourself from the place of destiny, from the place where God wants you to bloom, to the place where you have chosen. Do not let these hinder you. Offenses will come in various sizes, shapes, and fashion. You'll be offended for various things. Various things will, will cause offense. Many people in the word of God, we are offended. And we need to be very careful. That is why in the ministry of Jesus Christ, he spoke a lot about how to handle offenses. He spoke a lot. And that is what we want to look at in the next 30 minutes or so and look at how he told us to handle it so that it will not become a hindrance to the fulfillment of other things in our lives. If you don't handle it well in this area, you can lose your marriage. In marriages, offense will come. In your place of work, offense will come. There is no place where you get to and you have to deal with people that one thing or the other will not offend you. But you need to learn how to make sure you do not do what is wrong, which will eventually destroy more than is expected to destroy. I travel a lot in ministry and people offend me. Pastors that I preach for offend me. Pastor's wife offend me. Protocol officers offend me. Hotel staff offend me. Offended by everybody. But you see, I have learned that I will not allow that to stop me. If I have decided to cut off from my life everybody that offend me, I will have nobody in my life now. Like Yoruba says, Igi Yoda, Ayoko, Ele Yishefi, Ayoko, Ele Yishefi, Ayoko, Ele Yishefi, Ayoko. At the end of the day, there will be no tree in the fire. Many of us have cut our lines of supply by overreaction to offenses. We have cut your land of collection to destiny. It's not every relationship that you can disregard. I always say this to people, many of the young men that I have raised in this ministry, some of them quarrel went away after years what did they do they came back they came back why did they come back if they did not realize that they missed something there would be nothing to come back to even one of them who wrote an encyclopedia on me criticizing me 14 pages 
Recently, I still saw him. I said, that your 14 pages, you publish it in the book very soon, will you? He said, ah, Baba, it's it, Baba, ah. And it does show, not So, what I'm saying is this, you need to be very careful that offenses do not destroy much more than what it has destroyed. And so, Jesus said a lot about offenses, and I'm going to refer you to the places that we're going to read it as we go along. In Matthew, I wanted to write down the five places where he talked about offenses. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 to 15. Mark chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Luke chapter 11, verse 3 and 4. Luke chapter 17, verse 3 to 5. Matthew 5, 23, 24. Matthew 6, 12 to 15. Mark 11, 25, 26. Luke 11, 3 to 4. And Luke 17, 3 to 5. In all these places, Jesus spoke about offenses and how to handle them. He was teaching us how he handled it so that you and I, we handle it the same. I'm going to raise seven points from those verses and I'm going to show them to you. So that you and I can learn and not allow offenses to live. There are people who have dropped out of the department because the HOD says, shouted at me. One woman came to me recently. She said, I've left, I've moved out of my husband's house. I said, why? He shouted at me. I said, if your husband does not shout at you, who should you shout at? Should he go to the post office and be shouting? If he's shouting in the post office, what will you have happened? Oh, go look in here. I said, he shouted at you. I said, did he touch you? He said, no. He said, he shouted. He says, verbal abuse. I say, I agree. But if you are not married to him, will he abuse any woman on the street? Will he just go and see? Faith mommy on the street. I say, ay, 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 ay. If she does that, what will Faith mommy do? She will be crazy because that's a bad dog. But if he shouts at you, fine, it's part of it. Then you be quiet and then reply how you can when you should. We need to learn how to handle offenses right. People have hindered their life, their progress, their business, their career with wrong reactions to offenses. People have messed things up because of offenses. I know people who have lost a lot of things because of offenses. Because it is not just handle it right. There is no relationship that you and I get into, one way or the other, that there will not be issues in. And when these issues come, learn, learn. How to control yourself. So I want to look at a few things here about offenses. Seven of them. Number one. The first thing you need to know about offenses is that you are not only going to forgive Christians who offend you, but all persons. Some people think the only people that can forgive are believers. No. Taxi drivers will offend you. Your landlord will offend you. Your classmate will offend you. The Bible says it is your responsibility and your duty like it is mine to forgive all. And I want to show us where this is. Open to Mark 11 so that you'll see the emphasis that Jesus placed on forgiving everybody. Mark 11, I'm reading from verse 25. Then we are going to read Luke chapter 11 verse 3 and 4. And then we are going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. Mark 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against 
any, underline that word any. Any means anybody. Any means anybody. Any means everybody. Forgive if you have ought against any. Anybody. The taxi driver. The man you met by the roadside. The man you met in the taxi in the bus. You are going to forgive him if he offends you. Totally. Go on to Luke 11. You see Luke 11 verse 3 and 4. Emphasize the importance of forgiving. What does he say? Verse 3 and 4. He says give us day by day our daily bread. Verse 4. And forgive us our sins. For we forgive everyone. Sakudan. Everyone. No matter. Everyone. Every single one. You are going to have to forgive your uncle. You are going to have to forgive God. Because some people always feel God gave us a raw deal. He exposed us unduly. Everyone. Remember that. Go on to Matthew chapter 6. You see one says anyone says everyone. Matthew chapter 6. And I want you to look at verse 14 and 15. He said, for if you forgive men, men include women, if you forgive men, all men, man, all men, man, if you, for if you forgive men, their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men, every sin against the son of man must be forgiven. Only sin against the Holy Spirit is not to be forgiven. And nobody is the Holy Spirit. So the first thing you need to know about forgiveness is that everyone, Jesus forgave everyone and is teaching us to do. Matthew 5.44 Love your enemies. Pray for them that despite use you and persecute you. Bless them that curse you. Everyone. When Jesus Christ was here, the very people that took him to the cross, he forgave them. Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they are doing. They don't know what they are doing. The people that stoned Stephen. Stephen took after Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Whosoever does not have the spirit of Christ is none of his. The people that stoned Jesus Christ, as they were, I mean, that stoned Stephen. The Bible says in Acts chapter 7 verse 60. He said, Father, lay not this into their charge. He was doing it the way Jesus did it. Every man. Proverbs 25, 21. If your enemy is hungry, give him food. If he's thirsty, give him water. In this way you heap coals of fire upon his head. And God will give you a reward. Romans 12, 18. As much as lie within you. As much as lie within you. And what is it that lies in me? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So what do I mean? The first thing you need to know about forgiveness is that you are expected to forgive any, every man and man. You are expected to forgive. There is nobody's offense against you that you must hold against them. That's the first thing you need to know here. Follow peace with all men. Hebrews 12, 14 and holiness Without we no man will please the Lord. Number two thing you need to know about forgiveness. 
need to forgive the minutest of offense. The minutest. Look at the way he looked at me. Look at the way he stepped on me. Look at the name he called me. It is not only that you forgive the big offenses, but the smallest, the tiniest. And that is one of the things that Jesus said. Go back to Matthew 5. I want to show you this. In verse 23. He said it very clearly in verse 23. You see, there are two options in every situation. When someone offends you, number one, you have a choice to forbear it. In other words, to overlook it. In other words, to take it in and never think it is anything. That's the first choice. The second choice you have is that if it really hurts you and you are hungry, you only have to forgive. So you cannot hold anybody for the minutest thing against you. Look at the way he looked at me. Forgive him. Look at the way he threw my Bible out of the chair that I've been reserving for myself to sit. Forgive him. Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there remember that thy brother hath ought. Ought means the smallest thing. There are many things that are so small that we major out of. Particularly among women. Little things become big. Don't let it hinder you. Don't let that little thing obstruct you from enjoying God and the service that God has brought you into. Ought. When you bring your gift to the altar and remember that somebody has ought the smallest thing against you. Ought. Ought means small. Small. Very tiny. Go on to Luke 11 and let's look at it again and look at verse 4. You will see that he clearly stated it that no matter how small that thing is. Now here he says, no matter how little, no matter how little it is. Verse 4. And forgive us our sins for all also, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Now let me let me say something here. Let me say something here. When you offend somebody, let's say I offend the chapel administrator. When I offend him, it is like he owe me something. Offending somebody is like that person becomes indebted to you. If I offend God, God is indebted to me. He has to give me something. And that thing he has to give me is called forgiveness. He said, forgive us our debt. As we forgive those are indebted to us. So when you offend somebody, that offense that you committed against that person becomes a debt that that person needs to forgive you for. It's a debt. Romans 13 verse 4, 8. Owe no man nothing. So if someone offends you, you owe him. You are the one owing him. What do you owe him? You owe him forgiveness. And no matter how little what you do is. Mark eleven twenty five. If you stand praying, forgive. If you have art. Again, art means the smallest thing. You must never allow any small thing in your mind. In your heart against anybody. The Lord we serve is coming soon. 
we must learn how to how to forgive people for the minutest thing. Because most of the time, the things that they have done is minute, is small. But we magnify it. Look at the way he was talking to me. What did he say? He just said, get out of my way. That's all he said. Can I say, look at the way he was talking to me. Look at, you know what? You are magnifying it. It's small. Let us learn how to treat offenses the way they are. Art, it's a small thing. It's a tiny matter. Paul said, it's a tiny matter for me to be judged by men. It's a tiny matter. When I was a young Christian, I used to take everything on board. When I was a young minister, I used to take everything on board. I remember the woman came to me some years ago. He said, why is it that when you run out of messages, you use me to preach? For three months, I could not sleep. Every time I wake up, I remember, when I run out of messages, I use her to preach. The, the thing hurt me like no man's business. But even if a thousand people tell me that now, you know what? I always tell them, you are overrating yourself. When do you think you have become so important, you are a title of a message? I said, these are cities that are sold all over the world. I told her later, for three months, I could not sleep. Every morning, every time when I woke, go, to, go to bed, I'm thinking about it. It hurt me so bad. But you know, after a while, I have learned how to make things very small. And I'm going to show you more about that. You learn, if you have art, small. Learn how to not major or minor. Look at the way he looked at me. I said, well, later I discovered if they are looking at you like that, probably they have eye problem. But in those days, I used to think it's something serious. Two women who have never met. You know, sure. You know, and I imagine why are they quarreling. You know one thing that surprised me when I watched some of these old videos? A, a girl and a girl will be fighting when a boy is dating both of them, why don't both of you gather together and beat the boy up? When they meet, they will be the one fighting. Why are both of you fighting? Who caused the fight? The man beat him up and both of you go your way. But both of them don't want to go. Why don't you look at that? Say, good reason to bad rubbish. What do you mean this one? I don't work out. If you have dignity. So, number two. Offending someone becomes a debt. You see, whenever somebody offends you, you owe them something. That is the way the Bible looks at it. We forgive men their debts as we forgive those who are indebted against us. Number three. In forgiveness, we are to do it as Christ did it. If we don't forgive the way Christ forgave, then we have not forgiven. So the question is, how does Christ forgive? It is very easy to say, well, I've forgiven you. But the big question is, have you forgiven the way Jesus forgave? Are you forgiven the way Jesus will forgive? There are two aspects of the way Jesus forgives. Number one, when Jesus forgives you, he forgives you not because of you, but because of God. 
forgives you not because what you have done does not pain him but he remembers God he remembers the shed blood on the cross of Calvary and I'm going to read that to you Ephesians 4 let's look at it Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3 13 we need to forgive the way Christ forgave we need to forgive and keep forgiving the way Jesus will have forgiven if we don't forgive like that it is not forgiveness if you forgive somebody, let me give you this example. Some years ago, I told God, I said, how can I know I'm forgiving somebody? You know what God said? He said, the way you know you're forgiving somebody is when you remember what they did and it does not pain you anymore, then you're forgiving them. When you remember what they did, they chased you out, they broke your heart, they walked out on you, they stole your money, they damaged your car, they stole your camera, your phone, they destroyed it. But when you remember it and it's not paying you anymore, that is the witness in your spirit that you have actually forgiven. You see, if you still feel hurt for what they did, you have forgiven, but you have not done it the way Jesus did it. Ephesians 4. I read from verse 32. He said, And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for whose sake? For Christ's sake has forgiven you who did God consider when he was forgiving us Christ who should I consider when I forgive Obembe Christ what Obembe did pain me plenty plenty but I overlook it not because it did not pain me but because of Jesus what will you not do because of Jesus when people say sir forgive me for Christ's sake that's all I'm not saying you should use it against me now because those now will you steal my phone and you ask me to forgive you for Christ's sake I will collect my phone back especially if I can locate it he said even as God for Christ's sake forgive us why do I forgive people for Christ's sake what he has done is what I consider that makes me forgive it's not that what they did did not hurt me what they did hurt me they stole the church they went with the money they wrote a publication on me. They lied against me. That ache me. Oh, I remember Jesus. Without Jesus, will I have met you? If I have met you, will we be friends? Most of the friends I have today, through Jesus. And so for him, I will overlook it. But not for anything else. Not for anything else. Colossians chapter 3. Look at it again. Look at it again. Verse 13. Forbearing one another. What do your verse call? Ifarada. Forbearing one another. And forgiving. Not forgave. Forgiving. Constant, continuous. Forgiving one another. If any man has a quarrel against any. Even as Christ forgave you. So also do ye. Even as Christ who do I consider when I forgive? Christ. He's still the person I consider. It's not that what you did did not hurt me, did not pain me. What you did hurt me, what you did pain me. But I know that I have no choice. We are still going to live in heaven together. And so for Christ's sake, I forgive. Not because I'm not hurt, not because I, feel, I don't feel bad. I feel bad. So, not this point number three. In forgiveness, we are to do it as Christ did it. 
many times when we offend Christ, he remembers what price he paid and he overlooks it. Now, open, let me show you this. Look, open your Bibles to Isaiah 40, 43. Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. I want to show you the kind of way. I told you there are two aspects to the way Christ forgave. He forgave because of what he did. He forgives us because of what he did. And that is the only reason for which I forgive. I forgive when I consider what Jesus did. Okay? So, let's go here. Isaiah 43. I'm reading from verse 25. I, even I, am he that blotted out that transgression for my own sake and will not remember thy sins. That's the second way to forgive. You forgive and forget. You forgive and forget. If you say you are forgiving me, when something happens next time, don't refer to what you have already forgiven. Because according to Micah chapter 7 verse 19, he said when God forgives us, he takes that sin and hides it in the bottom of the sea. So when you forgive me, don't remind me again. Don't say this was what you did two weeks ago. This was what he did last year. September 14th. When we just came back from Abuja. Remember? Now, you see, when you still make a record of what you are forgiven, you have never really forgiven like Jesus. Because Jesus says, I blot out your transgression. Blot out. Colossians 2.46, he took out the unbrushing of ordinance out of the way. He nailed them to the cross. The cross took charge of it. When I forgive you, not only do I forgive you the way Christ will forgive, but I also forgive you and forget it. Someone say, how can I forget? You have to trust God to help you to forget. It's tough. Nobody says it's not tough. But there is grace. There is nothing God wanted to do that you cannot do. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I am he that blotted out thy transgression for my own sake and will not remember your iniquities. Whatever we remember, do you know that we consciously remember it because we make an effort to? If it comes up, push it down. Don't make a record of it. There are some of us who are used to journaling. Today, Pastor Weye called me a bastard. And you circle it like this in red. If you forgive him, you know what you do? You blot it out. If you still keep a document of it, you have not forgiven. Don't let it hinder you. Where you are going is far. Your destiny is great. Don't let what Uwe did to you to linger in the corridor of your heart. They make you unclean. God is of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. If you have ought the smallest, smallest in your heart, he said, whenever you and I have something in our heart, he will not hear us. If you have the little, littlest thing, if there's any English like that, if you have the minutest of offenses towards somebody, God will. He said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If there is a record of it, if there is a note of it, if there is an evidence of it, if there is something in my heart, 
that still says, I am hot because of what he did, the Lord will not hear me. Many prayers have gone on hard because of such things in our heart. Many people speak in tongues and they are unforgiving and when they are speaking in tongues, they are reporting themselves to God. It's an exercise in futility for you to pray with unforgiveness in your heart. If you stand praying, forgive first. If you don't forgive, you are wasting your time. You have somebody in your mind, this is what they did last year, this is what they did three months ago, and you stand praying. I remember one preacher told me, he said, that is why I don't stand praying. I sit down to pray. So that scripture will not be relevant to me. He said, if you stand praying, forgive if you have art against any. Look at that Matthew 5. He said, when you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember that somebody has, that's why many offerings don't multiply. You just throw away your money. Why? Because when you bring your gift to the altar, not only do you remember those who have something against you, you also have something against people, but you should drop your offering nonetheless, even angry. I remember I was in one church. I was sitting there one person like that. And when he dropped, before he dropped the offering, he looked at the other like this. And dropped the offering. I said, why? He said, foolish usher. You see? The person is here has something against the usher. That money did not get to heaven. That kind of money does not multiply. You are throwing away your money. Because you have something. You need to worship God in the beauties of holiness. There must not be anything in your heart. If I regard iniquity in my heart, whether by words of mouth or action, the Lord will not hear me. The Lord will not hear me. And that is why many prayers go unanswered. That's why you see many people, they call themselves prayer warriors. But you see that their lives, they are being hindered. They are still struggling with lack of children. They are still struggling with lack of joy. They are still struggling with lack of money. They are still struggling with lack of success. They are still Why? Because most of the prayers they make don't go beyond their mouth. It's just hovering. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence that we have. That if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. A prayer that does not get hard will never get answered. And one thing that will not get is hard if I regard iniquity in my heart. Psalm 65 verse 2. Oh, thou God, I hear a prayers. What will make my prayers to be hard is when my heart is clean. Who shall go up to the holy hills of God? Who shall abide in his presence? He who is of a clean hand and a clean heart. That is the person who can bring, go to the holy hills of God and come back with testimonies. There are too many hearts in the church. And we are trying, we are just overlooking it. We are sweeping it under the rug. Under the rug. When under the rug is full, it will show on the top. I used to have one rug like that in my house some years ago. Under the rug was full of sand. It started showing on the top of the, of the rug. We st- uh, whoever was sweeping in those days, instead of sweeping everything out, just sweep it under the rug. So, so the under the rug was full of sand. It started showing on the top. So I said, come. It's showing on top. He said, no, but I put it under. Number four, because of time. God wants us to operate in unlimited forgiveness. Do all you can to resolve offenses. Do all you can. Go to any extent. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Go to whatever extent to make sure that offenses are resolved. 
let me tell you what the Bible says. You know, normally as human beings, let's assume that I offend Aluku. I offend Reverend Samuel Gladward Benga Aluku. Do you know that normally as Christians, if I offend him, you know what he will do? He'll be waiting for me to come. But do you know at times, I may not know I've offended him. I may not know that what I said offended him. So what is he supposed to do when he is offended? Matthew 18 now says it. He said, if someone offend you, what do you do? Go to him. Say, Brother Winger, I mean, uh, Reverend George, I really don't like what you say though about the my, my shoe that my shoe has an afro 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 cut back. I don't really like it. If I say, ah, ah, what do you mean? Come out here ah, because I'm playing with you. He's still offended. So what should he do? Should he go and say? <clears throat> I'm warning you because if you next time I will forget the anointing, I will backslide for a few days and ask God to forgive me. Is that how he's supposed to treat it? No. He said if he tries to come to me on his own and I don't respond, what should he do? Is you get somebody. I said, Reverend, wait, please let's go to Reverend George. And then both of them come with very. Then I said, gentlemen, what is wrong? Ah, where is he? Reverend Winger told me that you offended him and that you still yab him. Is that why you're following him? Hey, is something wrong with both of you? What's the issue with you? Both of you have not come to me and you have turned it to another. You know, I'm still not pavious. It's not enough for her to say. It's not enough, it's not enough for where to say to. I've washed my hand. It is you and him. Whatever you want to do, do. That's not how to go about it. They should now come together and report me to the authorities and say, ah. Our pastor have gone mad though. Reverend Began went to him, asked for forgiveness. I mean, he told him that he was offended. He sent him away. And uh, me, I went with him, sent us away. Church, this is it. Now, let's imagine that there is an authority in the church who now intervenes. And then they call me to a meeting. And they say, well, um, the purpose of this meeting, by the grace of God, is to resolve the conflict between Reverend Aluko and Reverend George. Reverend Aluko went to him, he explained himself, took Reverend Uwe here, there, explained himself, then I, I say, I what do you have to say? You people, you don't have work, is something wrong with you? At that point, they have exhausted. That is how. It's not for you to be waiting for me to come. You are the one who is offended. Matthew 18, verse 15 to 18, tells you what to do. Go through all the process. Go and talk to him. Because he may not know he has offended you. I have offended people before. I mean, I was talking about uh, Afro, I mean, Afro, a, a shoe that has an Afro cut. I said that to a young minister some years ago in this ministry. He was offended. Young minister. I said, ah, this is your shoe. Why does it have Afro cut? Do you know the young minister was offended? For three years, he put it in his mind. After I finished training, we are going to post him out. I said, do you have anything to say? He said, yes. I said, what? He said, three years ago. Ah. Now, in those three years, do you think his prayers were hard? Because he kept that thing in his heart. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. 
is iniquity. Him that knoweth to do good and does not do it is sin. Forgiveness is good. If you don't do it, it's sin. So that's the first part. Now, the second thing he now says is this. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus speaking again. He said, if you bring your gift to the altar, and you see, Rabbi Anuku has already told me that he's offended. And I've talked him to go away. Now, he's one who's offended. But if I now, he's told me, if I now take my offering to the altar, and there I remember that Anuku has something against me, he said, I should leave my gift and go to him. He has come to me and I am supposed to go to him. That is to let you know that you must not limit solving forgiveness with only the agreed party coming. If you know that somebody is not happy and has already told you, then it's your responsibility to go to that person and apologize. Unlimited. One, he is the aggrieved. He has come to me. Two, I know he's aggrieved. I am the I am the person that caused it. Then I should go to him. In that way, we'll be operating in unlimited forgiveness. So if I am the one who remember that somebody has something against me and I go towards him and he is one who is hot and comes towards me, don't you see that quickly the conflict will be resolved? That is what the Bible teaches. If he does not come to me, I can go to him. You know, there are some people when they are offended. They will not just talk. I will not just talk. They say, are you? I will not just talk. But you see, if you approach it from Matthew 5, you will still resolve it. For those who will talk because they are offended, approach it from Matthew 18, it will get resolved. So either way, Matthew 18 or Matthew 5, unforgiveness will always be resolved in the body of Christ. Jesus wants us to go to every extent to make sure that we resolve matters of forgiveness you are here today there are some people I went to one church like that I was preaching on forgiveness and I said anybody who is who has been offended should go to the person that they have offended who either they know or they don't know they have offended them and that they should go and ask for forgiveness the protocol the pastor assistant to pastor PA there was a queue in front of him and when the people can say, I didn't know I offended him. You did know. That day I said, I wanted to see the man of God. He said, the man of God is tired. You did know. The way you shouted at me, you did know. A key was in front of him. See, that is why in that kind of a church, their prayers will be hindered. All those people landing in front of him. And even him, who knew he had offended some of them. He said he knew he offended some of them. He said, but for some of them, he did not know. I said, either way, you people will have resolved it. We need to go to any extent to resolve matters of unforgiveness. If you are the one that is offended, go and tell him or her. If you are not the one that is offended, but you know that that person is not happy, make sure you go to the person. Go to the person when you know he's not happy with you. Or if you know if you are the one who is unhappy, go to the person that you think has offended you. In both ways, we'll be able to resolve unforgiveness before it goes to dangerous extents. Number five. The word of God does not just tell us to forgive and as doers of the word of God we ought to do so but the word of God tells us to forgive based on the fact that we ourselves have offended God 
and he has forgiven us. In the parable that we read, the Bible said there was a king. He had a servant. And the servant owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents is the measure of every offense you and I commit against God. He said, but when the servant had nothing to pay, he forgave him. I owed a debt I could not pay, but Jesus paid it all. The value of offending God is 10,000 talents, about 300,000 US dollars. He said, but the same servant who has been forgiven by the master. Now, there was another fellow servant who owed him 100 pence. He was forgiven 100,000. All your sins that you committed against God, that God forgave you, is worth 100,000 talents. Now, whatever sin your friend, your neighbor, your wife offend you with is worth only 100 pence. Anybody who has been forgiven 100, who have been forgiven 10,000 talents, does he have the moral right to ask somebody who owe him 100 pence to pay? No. The sin you committed against God that he forgave you is worth 10,000 talents. The offense, your brother, your neighbor, your, your taxi driver, your housemate, your landlord committed against you is worth only 100 pence. If you have been forgiven your 10,000 talent, you do not have the right to hold somebody else to ransom for 100 pence. Is it clear to you? If it's clear, wave your hand like this. That's the problem we have. The offense of your wife against you, 100 pence. The person who looked at you like this, 100 pence. The person who sent you out of their house in the night when it was raining, 100 pence. The person who broke your heart after five years of courtship, 100 pence. You have been forgiven 10,000 talents. So what is the moral right you have to hold somebody who, have only, who is only owing you 100 pence? We don't just need to forgive people because the word of God says so. But we need to forgive people with the consideration that you and I have been forgiven by God. So we need to be just. We need to be just. The same way God has forgiven us is the same way you and I should forgive people. When you hear some things, some people tell you about somebody who has offended them. You will think that what they owe them is more than 100 pence. Jesus said it is just 100 pence. Any offense anybody commits against you, whatever insult, whatever accusation, whatever they say against you that is not right, is only 100 pence. What you did against Jesus was worse, but he forgave you all. He forgave you. The Bible says, the man did not have anything to pay. He rolled on the ground. He said, please, give me time. I will pay. He said, for as much as he had not to pay, he commanded everybody to be sold and the man to be given. But the man said, then he forgave him. Then the same servant now, his own fellow servant owed him 100 pence. Should he not have said, since I've been forgiving so much, 
I should not owe anything against anybody. Shouldn't you have said that? But you see, that is what many of us don't do. Your own sins that were as red as scarlet, they have been made white as snow. Your own sin that was red as crimson, they have been made white as, as wool. But whatever anybody has done against you is so small compared to what you did against God. God forgive you. The same way God forgave you is the same way you should forgive other people. So when you are going to forgive, remember him. Consider what Jesus did. Consider what God does. That man who told you that I was, I was preaching and pointing at him in this church because I borrowed him money. He said, I don't like the way you are doing, sir. You are really going bad, sir. I look at him and ah, you are not I borrowed him money. He did not pay back. He said, I'm preaching and pointing at him. And he's accusing me. Ah! If not for Jesus. If not for Jesus. Ah! I know what I should have done. I know what I should have done. He will cough out the money the same day. But I just I said, okay, okay. I will not look at you anymore. I will not look at your direction anymore. So I always try not to look at his direction. Why am I doing that? Because of Jesus. If not for Jesus, can somebody stand like that after I've given you money with documentary evidence? You'll not be talking. Hey, you're looking at me. You're doing hand like this. We try that with an Okoroman. He will not even allow you. You will have put down your car before you go. You will not. You will have swallowed your car before you know it. So what are you talking about? After a time, you know what I did? I called him. I said, come. I said, you know what? That money, forget it. He said, no, no. I'm not forgetting it. This is your money I'm going to pay. I look man, poor man, where they do younger. He says, since you have refused to forgive, you have refused to overlook it, I will pay. How many years ago? Seven years. No cobble, no shishi. So one day I go, I say, I forgive you. He said, no, 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 don't forgive me. I said, but. <laughs> way God forgave us is the way we should forgive. You don't forgive the way Christ did, there is no forgiveness. If you forgive and still remember when I see the person now, he does not hurt me anymore. I just look at him and say, because I've already forgiven him from my mind. I've already forgiven. I've already overlooked it. Let me close. The word of God doesn't just tell us to forgive us and as doers of the word of God, we ought to do so. But the word of God tells us that based on the fact that we ourselves have offended God and we have been forgiven much more than what anybody offends us offends us with we should forgive the way God forgives us point number 6, 7 and 8 are very related point number 6 I want us to look at the name that God calls somebody who does not forgive is a terrible name is a terrible name. I want us to look at verse 32. Then his Lord, Matthew 18, 32, then his Lord, after that, he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant. It is wickedness to refuse to forgive anybody who has offended you for whatever they have done. It is wickedness. That's the way God looks at it. 
When God says, oh, thou wicked servant, you know what he's saying? You don't have my spirit. Because there's only one person that is called wicked in the Bible, and that's the devil. When God says, you are wicked, it means you don't belong to him. Romans 8, 9. Whosoever does not have the spirit of Christ is none of his. Oh, thou wicked servant. That is not a name any human being is calling you. That's the name God is calling you. You have not forgiven that woman. You have not forgiven that man. You have not forgiven your neighbor, your landlord. God said it's sheer wickedness not to do it. He has forgiven you. Oh, thou wicked servant. One translation says, oh, bad servant. One says, malicious servant. One of them says, you contemptible servant. God said you are in contempt. Lawyers will tell you like Barrister Lawrence that when you are in contempt, you are in trouble. God said you are, you, are, you are in contempt if you refuse to forgive someone despite the fact that I have forgiven you. But I like this one translation. He said, you evil-hearted wretch. You evil-hearted wretch. If you are not a wretched person, imagine how much you owe. 10,000 talents. 48 million. Anybody owing that amount of money is a wretch. Oh, you malicious servant. That's the name. Anybody who does not forgive is called. If you have not forgiven today and there is somebody that you are owing in your heart, you are a wicked person. One of them says, you owe thou scordrel. Scordrel is someone who does not operate by principle or by guidelines. Another one says, you are a, he said, oh, thou rogue servant. You are a rogue. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a rogue? Another one says, that word wicked there that is used is what translates rascal. I say, you are a rascal. Look at you. Rascal. Another one says, you are a villain. All these are not sweet words. When God calls us wicked, he will deal with us according to the wicked. Isaiah chapter 3 verse 11, he says, say unto the wicked, he no go better for her. Proverbs 3 33, the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. Psalm 34 21, evil will slay the wicked. Ecclesiastes 7 17, he said, the wicked will die before their time. Psalm 9 verse 17. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And all the nations that forget God. Let me say something that will shock you. If you don't forgive somebody in your heart is there, when Jesus comes, you will never go. Because if you don't forgive men their trespasses, your own trespasses will not be forgiven. And if your own trespasses are not forgiven, you won't make it to heaven. Unforgiveness is a sin unto death. I preached it years ago. You can get it. Unforgiveness is a sin unto death. God can never forgive you because you don't forgive people. It's not possible. You, can say, you cannot say, God, I want you to forgive me because I'm finding difficult to forgive and to go. Uh -uh. It is not a sin that can be forgiven. It is not a sin that can be forgiven. 
The only way to get that sin out is to forgive the person. You cannot go to God and say, I'm finding it difficult to forgive my mother-in-law. She's a witch. I'm finding it difficult to forgive her. So God, please forgive me. You're wasting your time. It's a sin unto death. It's a sin that has led many people to death. He said, you are a scoundrel. You are a rascal. You are a rascal. People have offended me and it grieves me. But I have no choice for Christ's sake. I have no choice. Even as God for Christ's sake. And if God has forgiven me so much, who am I to hold anything to the charge of the elect? Or the charge of anybody? Listen to what the Bible said. When, the Bible, when God, Jesus called this man wicked. Isaiah 48, 22. Isaiah 57, 21. He said God is angry with the wicked. How many times? Every day. God is angry with the wicked every day. Every day. Which means every day when you wake up and you refuse to forgive, God is angry with you. God is angry with the wicked. He's angry with the wicked. He's angry with the wicked. Psalm 7 verse 11. He's angry with the wicked. The wicked will return to hell. The cause of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. Even we slay the wicked. The wicked will not spend half of your days. Whenever God calls you a name, he will treat you according to that name. That's how he treats you. What did they do to you that you did not do to God? What sin have anybody committed against you that you and I have not committed something worse against God? So you and I have to forgive. We have no choice. For Christ's sake. Let me tell you a story. I traveled here from Nigeria. Bought ticket. Went to London. To go and preach for one man. I got to the airport. I did not see him. So I went inside the city. With my own money. I got there. The man said he cannot remember the program. He had a long neck. I felt like. Ah! What that man did was terrible. When I did not even have the money, I had to get the ticket by loan to travel to London only to get there. The man said he did not remember. I said, You did not remember? I said, ah. <laughs> oh, what will I do? I just said, Thank you very much. He said, God bless you. Next time we will invite you. I wanted to say, Don't invite me because I will kill you next time when you invite me. I'll kill you. But for Christ's sake. I look at it and say, for Jesus, only for Jesus. What will I not do for Jesus? What extent will I not go for Jesus? What will I not overlook because of Jesus? He forgive me all my sins. I remember my sins and my iniquity. I remember who I used to be. And he brought me out of the horrible pit, out of the miracle, set my feet on the rock to stay. If he did that for me, what has this man done? He only forgot. And now I'm going to go back to Nigeria with nothing except the debt. But I made sure I forgive the man. You know what happened? Whenever you forgive somebody, you give the power of God opportunity to work in your life. Though he did not remember the program, but there was another program where the preacher did not come. So when they heard I was in town, they were trying to squeeze me for one day. I said, one day or two, I went there, I preached. They blessed me more than the Bible have blessed me. But you know why that happened? Because I forgive him. If I had bitterness in my heart, that door would have been shut. The one that opened, it will have been shot. 
If I regard iniquity in my heart, many times you have allowed bitterness to hinder us. What God wants to do, your bitterness, your anger, your resentment, have shut the door in your face. God is angry with the wicked. If because you and I did not forgive, that's part Father, God has forgiven us. God says, you are a wicked servant. Point number seven. Not only did he call him a bad name, but it described God's attitude towards those who don't forgive. Look at his attitude in verse 34. And his Lord was wrath. To be wrath means to be angry with an intention of judgment. What you and I want God feeling an attitude to be towards us is what? To be pleased with us. Matthew 3.17 This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 17 verse 5 This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. But the Bible says because the man did not forgive not only did God give him a name that was different from God's name he also was angry with him. The anger of God the Bible says in Proverbs 16 verse 14 is like the messengers of death. Proverbs 19, 12. The anger of God is like the roaring of the lion. Proverbs 20, verse 2. He said, when God is angry with you, he said, you are sinning against your soul. You are if you allow God to be angry with you, you are sinning against your own soul. The action of God towards those who don't forgive. He calls them a bad name, telling you what his plans are for you. And then secondly, he is angry with you. The Bible tells us and warns us, vex not the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 You can never have a fruitful ministry with the vexed Holy Spirit. You can never have a fruitful business with the vexed Holy Spirit. But when you refuse to forgive, you grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieve not. Grieve not. Here he says the Lord was wrath. The Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, the, the Lord is that spirit. He is grieved. Everybody was not forgiving people today. God is grieved. And my mother sent me away. And my mother did not pay my school fees. My father did not pay my school fees. What you did against God was worse than that. I've had the privilege of working with children whose parents abandoned them when they were born and never took care of them. Today when they have become something, the parents have come back. I always tell them, show them what it is to be a good Christian. It's not it for that. Show them what it is to be a good Christian. They will be repenting all their days. Every opportunity they have, they say, ah, my daughter, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I left you when you were young. I'm sorry. Steve Jobs, who became the great man in Apple, who invented iPhone, iPad, and all these things, he is from Syria. When his father gave back to him, the man said he had a poor job and his wife divorced him. He gave Steve up, Jobs up for adoption and changed his name. He didn't want the boy to be able to trace himself back. And Steve Jobs only met his father once and just greeted him casually and he said he never wanted to have anything to do with him. Is that how a child of God should live? No. But he was not a child of God. If you don't forgive, God is angry with you. 
every single day you live, you are living at his mercy. Every single day you have something against somebody and you refuse to turn it from your mind and you refuse to make things right. You are putting yourself up for destruction. You and I should be a source of pleasing God. The king's favor, Proverbs 14, 35, is towards a wise servant. But his wrath is against him that causes shame. If he forgave you 10,000 talents, and you are finding it difficult to forgive somebody 100 prayers, you have disgraced God who forgive you so much. He called your name wicked. The dispensation of the attitude, he said he was wrath. Then they taught him, he said he delivered him to the tormentors. He delivered him to the tormentors. Matthew 18. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. If you don't forgive on time, eventually you may have no choice but to do it. He said he delivered him to the tormentors. Let me explain that and then I close here. Around every child of God, there is a wall of defense. A wall around about every child of God. Psalm 34 verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamp around them that trust in him and deliver them. Deuteronomy 33 27. Underneath are the everlasting arms. Isaiah 4 5. Upon every dwelling place in Zion, there shall be a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Psalm 125 verse 2. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord round about his people, even now forevermore. As a child of God, there is a wall of protection around about us. Let me tell you what happens. Immediately you begin to live in unforgiveness. You know what happened to the wall of protection? It is instantly removed. God does not attack us. He protects us. But when we begin to live in unforgiveness, he removes his protection. So we become vulnerable to attack. Chronic sickness in the body of some people. It's because of unforgiveness. I know what it is. Some years ago, one tailor, if you have ever listened to my message, power of forgiveness, one tailor, is not a pastor. Pastor Bax, he's from Syria alone. There were two of them, Bax and Bax. Two tailors. I gave him trouser to sew. Ah! When he delivered the trouser, it was Sanyamata. It was, it was something I saved money for. I saved it and I said, okay, help me do it. So he did it. The trouser did not fit me at all. Ah! I was grieved. I felt bad. I went to their shop. I cursed them, cursed them, cursed them, cursed the day we were born, cursed the business, cursed their family, cursed everything, cursed. I was born again, no? After I finished cursing them, so, huh? so I went to victorious. Two weeks later, I had malaria. Simple malaria. In those days, they never gave, uh, they gave what they call procapelicillin injection. I took the first round, procapelicillin, bago. Another one, bago. Another one, bago. Another one, bago. They did not go. I called some brethren, big brethren, to pray for me. They held their hand. He did not go. 
splitting headache in the night. No Valjean. There was nothing I did not do. He did not go anywhere. So one day I was thinking, what is all this? I went to a doctor. He, was, he said, this kind of sickness is strange. He said, we have given you all the medicine we can give you. If you give more than this now, it will develop to another problem. So he said, is there anything you can remember? He said, I said, one thing I remember. So what did I say? I went to where I caused some tailors. And when they are, I gave them a piece. You know, we give a piece of our mind, a piece of our mind. We have given so many pieces that we don't have any left. I give you a piece. I give you a piece. So I give them. And everything. After I had spoken to them and I was very hungry, I told the doctor. He said, just go back and apologize. Hey! I said, they are not Christians. They are rascals. He said, go. He said, these things have a way in which they walk. So I went there. My head was looking. Tormentors. Tormentors. He delivered me to the tormentors. When I got there, I saw them. This is a historical thing that happened. If you see them in town, one of them is a pastor in the gym now. I said, I've just come here. <laughs> to apologize. Please forgive me. And they said, ah, we don't have any. Just forgive me. I didn't use any medicine anymore. By the time I left their house, just about two minutes walk to my house, I was already sweating. The fever had left me. The malaria had disappeared. Most of the time, this world is responsible for many problems we have. Offenses we have refused to turn loose. Today, you may need to forgive some people that are dead. You need to forgive some people. That, I learned to forgive the hard way. But I'm teaching it to you in the simple way. <coughs> I'm teaching it to you in a way that you can relate to. Don't let this hinder you. Don't let it. Your life is too much for such little things like he cheated me, he lied to me, he stole my money. Don't let such things hinder you. Forgive them. Turn them loose. My father did not attend my wedding. Forgive her, him. I remember I went to a wedding. Very shameful. The father came in short nicker. Short nicker. Ciao! Black man in London. Short nicker. I said, who is this? I said, that's the father of the bride. He wanted to disgrace. The mother wore lace, bangu, gold. Man came in t-shirt and shot. Who give that? Uh -uh. What, what are we doing here? The man came out like this. He said, ah. I said, okay, thank you, sir. You can go to your sister. Well, I'll take your bride step forward. The girl was weeping. I said, what? What are we weeping about? That he even came. Even if you come here in pants, you know, you know, in those places, nobody can tell anybody how to dress. I said, don't mind him. Just forgive him. Something wonderful now happened. When the man came out with naked, nobody talked. I greeted him. The woman in lace. You know, those Lagos women, come and see. Heavy, heavy go. The man was in naked. He went and sat down near her. As the service was going on, the man said, I'm coming. 
So he left. When he came, he was fully dressed. Why did you dress like that before? So he wanted to show the woman. The woman said, I know you. You are eccentric. I know you. I said, I just say, okay, it's good. You are here. If you did not come, at least you are alive. The woman said, ah, ah. So you recognize that. Okay, I'll thank you because you recognize who I am. We recognized you before. I'm like, where are you? Stand up, let's bless God. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, praise him. Lift up your hands and worship him. Don't let those small, small things hinder you. Don't let it be.